0: hello everybody we're back on the ifloat radio podcast this is david and i'm here with steve martinez today hi steve how are you good david thanks for having me on and we're also here with Donovan from the Bigger Picture podcast who's here producing the show with us. And we're also here with the glass head. We just took a picture to mark the podcast today and so you can go on the Facebook page and look at the glass head. And the reason we have this glass head here, I was joking that Joe Rogan has his gorillas and I have my glass head. I think maybe we'll make that the um, the mascot or something like that. But I got this glass head at the Goodwill store here in Westport and I saw it and I remember seeing it and thinking, Oh, that's pretty cool. I don't know if I told you the story. No, I don't think so. Go ahead. But I saw it and the, at first I thought, okay, that's really cool. And then I thought, let me think about it. I then went off for a second. I came back and the guy had it in his hand and I thought, crap, I (laughs) should I should have gotten the glass head. Then I went off and I was looking at other things and by the way, I love the Goodwill store in Westport. It's really cool. Have you been to the Goodwill store? Yeah, I've
1: been to that one. It's nice. It's uh, it's where you need to go if you need to pick something up quick and you just want either a quick sweatshirt or a new piece of furniture. It's really nice here in Westport.
0: Yeah, the equivalent, I would say, in the city, in New York City, is the Housing Works, I think it's called. And I used to go to the one in Chelsea and the one in Brooklyn Heights, and I used to get good stuff there. But anyways, I was... Still walking around the Goodwill store. And in another department, there was the glass head. I guess the guy who had it had put it down. And so of course I scooped it up. And then I brought it home and I was talking to Andrew about it. And he looked at it and thought it was very strange. And maybe in some ways I thought, Well, oh, that's kind of strange, I suppose, but gradually it made its way into iFloat. <laughs> and the reason and the reason it now sits in the middle of our table in the back is simply a reminder. I love to use it as an example of that Our brain is encased in a skull, and it never actually physically touches external reality. So everything that we're perceiving, everything that we are experiencing in terms of our feelings, emotions, our perceptions, are all an interpretation of reality instead of an actual... it doesn't always make sure that what we're perceiving is actually in sync with reality. So sometimes people come out of their float sessions or they're just talking about things and it's always important to question, is what I'm experiencing, is what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, what I thought I heard another person say actually real? Because sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So the glass head always sits here as as a reminder of that.
1: So I, I am extremely honored to be the first guest where we get to use the glass head as the
0: official podcast mascot. Yeah. So
1: it's kind of a big deal.
0: I think it is a big deal. I think it is. It's a, it's, we're also coming off of a really great event that we had here last night. I was just telling Steve about it, our Holistic Happy Hour. We had about 100 people here last night. It was jam-packed, and people were having drinks and food, and there were different wellness practitioners and I think that maybe it just generated a lot of energy in the space. And I thought, you know, the glass head needs to be part of the picture today. <laughs> so.
1: It makes total sense to me.
0: It could also be that Steve and Donovan always come here with really cool T-shirts. And so maybe I needed to have something cool next to me because Steve always comes here with a different T-shirt, really cool T-shirts. And Donovan always has cool T-shirts too. So I don't usually wear cool T-shirts. I, use, I wear boring T-shirts. So the head is, is my interesting piece. Well, you and I have talked about it in the
1: past. I wear when I come to floating, or when I'm off the clock. Uh, for the folks out there, I'm a I'm a reference librarian, so I my standard issue wear, if you will, is a polo shirt and khaki pants in the summer and spring. And in the fall, it's a long sleeve shirt, khaki pants. <laughs> so whenever I get a chance to come float, which I've been happily doing for the last uh, 10, 11 weeks, I come in here in basketball shorts. And some sort of T-shirt with a graphic on it, whether it be something from wrestling, from uh, comic books or movies. Or right now I'm wearing a T-shirt from my favorite football team, the New York Jets. So this is my place where I can get out of my polo or dress shirt and wear something comfortable and enjoy the area and enjoy the the surroundings of being in the iFloat. Center and
0: be myself, and I like being a t-shirt and basketball short kind of guy. Well, and, and it's not surprising you're friends with with Kentuccio. What is the name of Ken's company?
1: Uh, Ken's company is called BarbershopWindow.com. They do they're the number one t-shirt company for alternative t-shirt company for professional wrestling, and they also do um, alternate alternative t-shirts for pop culture, whether it's things from TV, movies, music, or songs. And I actually was Ken's uh first employee back when he started. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, I was his uh customer service guy slash t shirt bagpacker slash uh guy Friday. And so uh now he's you know, he's Mr. Wrestling T shirt guy to whatever convention or shows he goes to. Everybody you can go to any event and see one of his shirts there. So uh, thankfully, is, and also since he's one of my uh, really good friends, I have a nice supply of t shirts from him in my house. And no matter where I go, I get some kind of comment, whether it's that's an awesome shirt or that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <So.
0: laughs> yeah, I've seen some of his t shirts. They're cool. They make an impression. They make an impression. Now, he's the one who told you about iFloaters. That yes, right?
1: that's correct. Um, Ken had been uh, an iFloater and had mentioned to me because uh, him and I have been friends for. Oh, I'm going on four or five years now, and he's known that. A little backstory about myself: I uh, deal with chronic pain. I have uh, fibromyalgia, and I also had a uh, spinal fusion with two sections of my spine removed. Back, uh, I'm 31 years old. It was 20. I was 20, so it was 11 years ago. And so I've been in pain for the better part of half my life since about 15 years old. And I've tried medication, acupuncture, physical therapy, some more traditional forms of healing and Ken had mentioned that in his own research when he discovered uh, I Float, that it also deals with and helps folks with chronic pain. So um, thanks to my wife who um, heard this and I was a little skeptical, I'm going to be completely honest because this is an open space That's for us. That's good. Skepticism <laughs> is good. I'm a big fan, huge fan. Um, my wife came and spoke with David and uh, had a tour of the place and got me a gift certificate for my birthday. And I came in, and after my first session, uh, I've been back every week since, and uh, this is my place where I'm able to float for an hour, feel relaxed, and, some, and most times have the best night of sleep I can have in a week, and walk out of here feeling better and a little bit more positive about things.
0: Well, th- that sounds wonderful. so you had tried lots of different things but the word that came up when you were talking about earlier you had tried all these different modalities which are really great modalities but you hadn't quite yet tried the void
1: yeah no absolutely
0: that's what floating is in many ways it's it's this experience of of nothing and when we're experiencing nothing then it allows uh, for the body to to heal itself can you talk a little bit more about um what you've noticed in terms of the progression. So for those people who don't know, Steve is, you're involved in our research program. I have an informal research program here. I have a background in science. I love to do research, whether it's really formal or informal, nor to collect and quantify data. It makes iFloat a more interesting place. I think if we're allowing that as an option for people who want to get involved, there's another person here this morning who, who just started it as well. We've had about 20 something people involved in the in the research program. We've had people come who have chronic physical pain, things like that, but also people who have like chronic things like anxiety and depression and so forth. So anybody who has any kind of chronic symptom can come and do 12 weeks of floating where they fill out surveys before and after and also they take a blood pressure cuff and record that information before and after. And you're in week 11 I believe right yeah. now, right? Yes. Tell tell us a little bit about what has that journey been for you in terms of your float experiences, in terms of other things that you've noticed. I know it's been different things. Yeah, I've no,
1: basically for me, the first one of the first things I can say is that I've never really tracked my pain. I've just had what I would call good days and bad days. So I've noticed things like, okay, this random Tuesday, I'm not feeling well, I need to walk with a cane. But because of the of the study, I've been trying to keep track more of pain levels, pain, uh, how I feel each day, anything new or different. Because the survey you give is is very extensive. It asks how you're feeling currently. It asks how you feel throughout the week. Any changes that you notice Com- has a comment section where it allows me to present things to you that I've noticed throughout the week. And also I've noticed that since I've been floating, I've had a more positive outlook on things. Um, when you're, at least for me personally, when I've been dealing with this pain, I, t- I tend to take of it as a negative approach that I have been in pain for X amount of years. I'm having a bad day. That's how I feel. And then once I've started floating and noticed different things, I'm more, I notice more of the good days I have. I'm more excited about the positive outcomes I have. Um, you and I, I'm, I'm, like we were talked about in a previous session, I have, uh, I'm wearing my jet shirt now, and I went to a jet game. Sitting down for three and a half hours, driving an hour and a half to and from, from Connecticut there is not something physically that I normally can do. So I had some reservations about that, and I was able to go to the game, enjoy myself, and I didn't miss one minute of work that week because I was feeling pain, and I didn't miss one minute of social time with my wife or my friends or my family. So something as little as being able to enjoy that and having a positive week afterwards is something I'm focusing on more today after I've started floating than I
0: would have in the past where I would have been just more focusing on the negative. So floating, as, as you're saying this, I always come up with good taglines during the podcast. So <laughs> it's like come float and you too can see, the, the, can see life from the perception or perspective of the glass being half full. Absolutely. As
1: you said, it was the void, but it uses the void to allow you to see the light, I guess is the way to look at it.
0: Okay, that's another one then. Come float and see the light. I like that. Some people might get upset about that. (laughs) Some people are are very attached to to their light. You know, it's like, no, no, you can only see the light at my place. It's like, well, come into the darkness and see the light. I like that. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about, well, one of the things that I often talk to people about is that floating is not A luxury. It's not just, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to pull away from the world. And your experiences so far have shown the applicability of floating in one's everyday life. But I think one of the interesting things, and I joked about it earlier when you were talking to the women who came in for the tour before you got started with this, was your wife, Melissa, she's the one who took that step for you to come here. So she clearly had a vested interest in you finding some some improvement for your your health and so forth can you talk a little bit about how you think maybe floating and the reduction of the pain has impacted your relationship
1: oh it's made my my relationship with my wife and you and i have talked about this is that um my wife's very positive about how i feel there's certain times where i've like okay this is a chronic illness that i have there doesn't seem to be anything on the horizon that's going to be adding any kind of significant. Um, improvement, but she was always very positive about looking for an alternative. So, um, floating came up as that alternative. So then um, I started when I started doing floating. Uh, I've noticed that I've had I have more energy. I'm um, less negative. There's less things that um, just plain and simple less married people problems <laughs> for lack of a, for to speak in generalities things that you would expect normal folks to just marry people to fight about and issues and things where my wife who has been um, just to start like first it was my parents were my support system and then I met my wife and then my wife became um, my primary support system they're always there to support me but she doesn't want to be a life where she's my nursemaid that's not that's not her responsibility her life responsibility is to be my partner and for us to do stuff So by me being able to float and having more energy and a more positive outlook on things, we're able to do more stuff, which then makes our relationship better because then it's not just a night of every night watching TV at home. It becomes an opportunity to do more social stuff, be able to go out with our friends, stay out a little later, have more fun, be a normal couple in our 30s, not be a woman in her 30s and a man who feels like he's 75 years old sometimes. So that's where the positive outcome has come from where we just
0: feel that we're able to do more stuff together. It's interesting when you said about the things that married couples fight about, because given your experience with floating and you've seen the reduction of the fighting about things that don't really matter, Mm -hmm. it really points at how a lot of the things that people are fighting about have nothing to do with the other person. They have to do with frustrations that are within. Because if you're going into the darkness and you're resolving whatever it is that's going on for you, then that allows for less frustration, and therefore it almost prevents arguing about things that aren't really what people are arguing about. you know it's uh the other thing that we talked about I think this was earlier this week, this connection between pain and mental stress mm-hmm. and 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 we're talking about how and other wellness practitioners have told me how mental stress contributes to physical pain. Mm -hmm. And you also then took that a step further, which is this connection of physical pain creates mental stress, mental stress creates physical pain. What has that been like for you in terms of that connection floating and so forth? I'll
1: be the first person to tell you that when you have what I have of fibromyalgia, a lot of folks just automatically assume that you're suffering from depression. So, because it is an established fact that folks who have depression have physical pain when there's no other explanation for that pain. When you've gone through all the blood work, when you've had all the tests, when you've been, like myself, tested for Lyme 25 times, when you've gone through all those points where you can't find a solution, the doctor then just asks, are you depressed? And then my response has always been, I'm not in pain because I'm depressed. I'm sad because I'm in pain. And what I've noticed is that when they this floating has given me the opportunity to focus on issues, reduce my stress. To, to tie it back to what you were saying about married couples, you don't fight with your spouse because they did something wrong. You're upset about, and in my case, it tends to be a lot of times, I'm upset because I'm in pain. Or if it's somebody else, you're upset because something happened at work. Your boss is a jerk, so you're a jerk. To your spouse. That's just kind of the things, unfortunately, that happen.
0: Yeah, so it's like if, if the toothpaste is put in the wrong place or the place you don't like it, mm-hmm. it becomes this, this big thing because you're in so much pain. So most people who are in pain are looking for this outlet to almost let the pain out and the end up lashing out at the people that are close to them. I
1: could not have said it better myself. There have been situations where... About toothpaste? Uh, not about toothpaste, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and simple. It's to friends, family, where my wife, to anybody, where if you catch me on the wrong day and I'm in a bad mood because I don't feel well, you're going to feel that, that mood of mine through my words and my actions. And then what happens is, is that yes, I have that release. I get angry. And my wife and I have talked about this and she was the one that identified it. When I get angry, I release, I start to feel better, but then the other person now feels that pain because you've been a jerk or you've been obnoxious. And then it causes a cycle where, yeah, now you feel great, but the other person doesn't. So when you reduce that and you reduce the out, um, your outbursts, or I call them my incredible Hulk moments. Then you go, to, <laughs> and then that prevents you from having that. And then your spouse, your friend, your parent, your coworker doesn't have to experience what you're experiencing. I always, I always used to say that when what I've been through, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, because having you know pain 24 hours a day isn't something that you want anybody to go through. So why would you even want to cause someone 20 minutes of pain because you're 20 minutes you're screaming and then they're going to have six hours or eight hours or three days of emotionally being upset because of how you're acting so by my re- floating allowing me to reduce those outbursts that feeling of stressfulness that feeling of pain it just builds better relationships there is no toothpaste moment there's just Honey, you put the toothpaste in the wrong spot. I like it here, as opposed to twenty minutes later, and then you know.
0: Or ooh. honey, or honey, would you would you like to try my toothpaste? Or,
1: or honey, would sure. you like me to move the toothpaste back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is it is interesting. One of the things that came up for for me was just now as you were talking was this book that I read when I was really young. It was called The Kin of Ata Are Waiting for You, and it was a really strange book. And it was in the house of my neighbor who lived across the street, and and it takes place in this mythical island where these almost indigenous-type people live. And whenever somebody gets really upset or they see that a person's really frustrated, the person self-monitors themselves and goes into a cave, a dark house that's completely dark, and they'll stay in there for eight hours or 12 hours or a day or two days. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that's really strange, but it made sense to me because every time they would come out, they would be in a different state of mind it's almost like they went in and they resolved the things within themselves and so that was my first experience of the power of really going into the into the darkness and resolving things within oneself and actually yesterday there was a woman who came in whose husband is going through a hard time. So it was almost a different perspective as though like your wife had been here, but her husband had been going through a hard time health wise. He was not in a really good state of mind and it was affecting her and, and their family. So she was here trying to slow down to resolve the things within herself so that she could be a better support and less reactive to what he was going through. So I think sometimes it, it goes both ways, but but you clearly had the 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 courage to to come here because I think it does take a certain amount of courage for people to come and spend time in the darkness for so for the people who do come here to some people it's it's not such a big thing, but I know for myself and for a lot of people, the idea of being alone with oneself and actually resolving things within one'self and allowing oneself to take the time. To look within and slow down, I think, takes a certain amount of courage because we then have to have to find the answers within, instead of always like trying to find them outside. It's like putting on a cool T-shirt does elevate our mood a little bit, but it doesn't elevate it permanently. No,
1: absolutely. I look at it like when my first time when I came here, and when the first time that I came in, and I had noticed that. Um, and you walk me into the tank and I see that, oh, it's a nice bright room. Everything's great. And then I take my shower and then I turn the light off. I go in the tank. I press the button on the side. And the next thing you know, this is total blackness, total darkness. And then you, then it takes a couple of moments to realize, okay, either I can be scared for an hour or I can just let go and realize that nothing bad's gonna happen because it, it, you're you're trained from a little kid to think that, or you when you're a little kid you're fearful of you know we're all scared of the dark you're scared what's under the table or what's underneath your bed, so that 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 childlike moment at least for me came at that moment when I pressed the button and the lights went out and the next thing you know it's I'm seven years old and I'm afraid of the dark but then you realize okay I'm not seven nothing's gonna happen and then. Once I was able to release, I even remember telling you my first time when I got out of the tank, it didn't even feel like an hour, but in a positive way. It felt like it had just been this time where I was able to relax. And that's and that is one of the main reasons why I came back, because in that hour, I got over that fear of the of the darkness of the void and then was able to really use it as a place to meditate, place to think. And a place that actually gave me a chance to get answers back as opposed to a place where I'm constantly thinking, but no answers are coming back.
0: There was one float I remember, and I'm going to bring it up just because I always talk to people about how floats are never the same. Some floats are very blissful, some are peaceful, some are insightful, some go by quickly, some go by almost like it seems an infinite amount of time. And for all of those things, there's a certain amount of learning that takes place. One of the things I often talk to people about is the the discomfort that can be experienced in a float. And people always shake their heads and laugh because they know that if they have an uncomfortable float that they're going to come out here and I'm going to say, well, that's wonderful that you had an uncomfortable float. And usually they do understand like why it was uncomfortable. But I remember there was this one time when you had a particularly uncomfortable float and... Can you talk a little bit about maybe what you gained from that in terms of cuz I remember we we talked about it at somewhat great length afterwards cuz I think it was the first time you had you had been uncomfortable I think you right. had you had been challenged while you were in this void dark place and what what did you gain from from that discomfort or, or in the float that that night
1: No I, and I remember the night exactly like you had like you're talking about I was just dealing with some personal stress stuff like work and family and things. And it was, I had to use, prior to that moment, I had used floating as my escape, but that was the first time that all my issues and stresses had come front and center. And as a, and it had almost had been on, on IMAX screen, everything came to the front and it was just gigantic in front of me. So when you're all alone in the tank and there's and you're all alone in the void and there's no one but you and the problem, it brings stuff that you're pushing away to the forefront.
0: It's so, like the elephant in the room. No, absolutely. The, that's the image that just came to mind. It's, it's, we, push, we push things away and they become an elephant. And when we float, the big... Pink or purple elephant kind of like hangs out there, and it kind of moves its 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 tail around and like shakes our hand and says, "What's up?" Yeah, <laughs> and then and then we have to say, "Oh yeah, you're that big thing I've been pushing away." And it's like sitting there, like almost like sitting on top of us.
1: And then after I had gotten out of my float, which was, um, I think like one of the shortest floats I had ever done, just because it had it literally magnified everything for me. Um, you were here and we talked and. Based on my experience there, our conversation, I went home, spoke with my wife. We talked about courses of action that we wanted to take to try and tackle the issues that we were experiencing. Um, and basically, by the time I came back the following week, you and I sat down again after my float. And you brought up how I was feeling from the previous week, if I had made any progress or anything. And I said, basically, I it was... Um, almost like a, a neon sign saying, fix these problems, tackle them, fix these problems. So um, I sat down, I talked to him, my wife, we, we solved our personal stuff that we were going through at that time. And then I had some work stuff and I went into work, made my presentation to um, my boss at work about some ideas that I had to go through and everything by the time we met the following week, um, those big fearful things that I had was worried about were solved in I was uh, ready to rock and roll for a positive float, or as we like to call it, rock and float.
0: Rock and float, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that big giant pink elephant turned into like a little kitty cat, yeah. and just kind of curled up next to you, yeah. and you were yours, you know, there, like hanging. Yeah, with the and, fish. An old, yeah. and I
1: would have probably not had tried to tackle those issues had I not had the opportunity to
0: have them neon signing in my face that it was time to tackle those issues. Another thing that this brings up is how floating in the process of sometimes revealing these these elephants or these large issues that we're experiencing or the, the ones that seem really large, can you talk about how the floating may have made your mind maybe a little bit more pliable than it otherwise would have been? Because I know that when you first came out that time, it's like you were kind of locked. There were, there were all these like locks in place and it seemed like by the time you left, they were maybe a little bit looser. And in the next week, they were like, the locks weren't even there. You had, you had adjusted some ways of approaching the problem that I think weren't really on your radar the previous week. I don't know. That's what it appeared. No, to me, it was, it had been, to me, it wasn't so much that
1: the lock, it was a good way to say it, the lock was actually preventing me from hearing advice from other people. Um, I had been, uh, I'm very rigid when it comes to it's my, for lack of a better term, my way or the highway type mentality. And um, after I had left the uh, the floating and after I left the tank and come uh, speaking with you, you're right. I was like locked. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. It's like you the just, gloves. You had the fighting gloves on. Yeah. It's like,
0: oh, like I'm going to take you down, <laughs> like, pink elephant. and yeah. take you down.
1: And then when you and I sat here, and then you gave me an opportunity to speak to someone who was outside of the situations, Outside of
0: the glass head. Yep. Yeah.
1: And um, gave me the opportunity to bounce ideas off, and you provided some great ideas back. And in fact, I took like one or two of your ideas and went forward with them. Um, by the time, I would not have necessarily listened to anybody else but my own idea. And I think that floating has opened me to listen to other people's ideas. I've always been the leader of the group. I've always been the one who pushes forward and I don't take either advice and or criticism well. So floating has let, after that experience have let me listen to other people and allows me to listen to even, and in fact, when I had mentioned my my wife had come up with ideas for tackle our problems and it was as if she was saying it for the first time, when after I had left. Because although I may have heard it, I didn't actually hear it. So, or I didn't listen to it. And I think now I get more uh, opportunity to listen. I have uh, a more not just hear, but listen and take and take things in. And I think when you're in the void, um, you are a little vulnerable because it's just you and the void. So you need to rely on your relationships more with other people. And whether they're coworkers, uh friends, spouses, family, their 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 voices are important too. And you have to
0: listen to that. Yeah, it's really important. I tell people that floating ultimately is about relationships, which seems counterintuitive to people, but but your discussion today. What you're telling me is a really great example of that. And Lily, John Lily, the guy who invented floating, he wrote a book on metaprogramming and the human biocomputer where he talks a lot about communication. That's what we teach about in the courses that I do here that the glass skull has a certain set of programming or patterns in it, a lot of which work really well. But your case, for example, being a strong leader, it's great to be a strong leader and it's okay if you're not listening to people, if the road you're going on is in sync with reality. But if the, if the road you're going on is not in sync with reality, then you might lead your army over a cliff, for example. Whereas if if you're able to be a strong leader and charge ahead after you've taken all the different considerations, then you're going to be able to accomplish greater things than you otherwise would have been able to do. And that's kind of like what Floating does. People sometimes tell me when a person is is in their life, they might say this person really needs to float, or they might joke and say just lock them in there for eight hours because it's this (laughs) idea that their minds needs to be marinated almost. And when we float, that's what's happening. It's like a good steak; you let it sit. Uh, My apologies to vegetarians, but you could do tofu if you want. Tofu gets marinated, but you could marinate a steak for 24 hours, and what it does is it softens the meat. And when we float, we're marinating our head to be less rigid, less of the my way or the highway, which is a really tricky thing. It's one of the things I talk to people a lot about, our dichotomies. When we get caught up in it has to be this or it has to be that, we're missing out on the great spectrum of life, which is all that gray area. And that's where reality is. It's neither in the this or the that. It's in the in-between. And I'm reading a lot about John Washington right now. Uh, George Washington. Sorry. Um, and so I read 1776. And now I'm reading the biography of George Washington. He was a really interesting guy. Amazing how many things he accomplished in his life. But he definitely took people's ideas into consideration. And I'm reading a lot about his relationship with his wife because he was a really great leader and he was in the French and Indian War and then he was in the Revolutionary War. But in between the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War, he focused a lot on his family. And he was a really great businessman and and a, and a farmer. And he was one of the wealthiest men in Virginia, and I think potentially in the United States by the time the Revolutionary War happened. So he was able to work independently, which is why he was um, able to just kind of give up everything and devote himself to the war. But the book also talks about the struggles he had in in his relationship with his wife, because she had kids from a former marriage. So he was raising her two kids as a stepfather. And so he struggled in particular with his stepson who didn't think or act the way that he acted. And so he was constantly trying to get the son to act the way he wanted him to act and the mother didn't agree. And so the book often makes this interesting comparison between his, his powerful ability to be a general and a leader in the army and the struggles that he had at home. And he wasn't the my way or the highway he would acquiesce in certain cases because he knew that in order to be with his wife and to be in the family, he couldn't get his way. He, he had to work with his wife. He had to work with his son. He had to try to reach a compromise, even if he wasn't necessarily completely satisfied with it. And I think in reading about 1776, that particular year, which was the beginning of the Revolutionary War, perhaps, and I don't know, that His ability to compromise with his wife in those years before the Revolutionary War allowed him to become more open to people's suggestions and ideas because one of the great things that he did or the interesting things he did was when he was in Brooklyn and the British were coming, the English were coming and, I don't know, British or English, whatever, but they were coming in in, 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 in Brooklyn and, and they ended up escaping one night in a foggy night And if they hadn't done that, then the war probably would have been lost. And granted, some people would say, well, he made mistakes here and there. But my sense is that he was really open in order for us to be a leader, whether it's at home or in business or or whatever. The more we're able to consider different viewpoints, uh, the more we're able to lead. And uh, that marination that happens, I think, when floating really allows people to take those things into consideration and to enhance their relationships. Oh, absolutely. So that's um, that's the George Washington float lesson of the day.
1: And as a political science major, what a history minor, I appreciate it.
0: Oh, good, good. Well, then, then it's, all, it's, it's all meant to be. And... Let's see and i think i think that's that's pretty much it but is there anything else you'd like to share in terms of your experiences and, and floating and so forth who do you think who do you think should be floating in today's world to be honest with you i think anyone whether it's
1: no matter how great you think your life is or how under control you think you have everything you don't and the, f- the moment you realize that, and it's the first step towards allowing you to be able to float. Because I feel like there's a lot of folks that feel like, um, especially in this society of 24-7 jobs, there's really no such thing as being off when you work in corporate America where you have you know, your BlackBerry constantly going off or emails at 3 in the morning or who knows. Um, anybody who feels that there's even 1% of life that they have to get back, that floating is an opportunity for them, even if they just try it once. It's, it may not be for everybody, just like, you know, vanilla ice cream is not for everybody. But it's just in something that you should try. Because as someone who, like I've said, uh, and I think part of the reason why I came from that my way or the highway thing is that when you deal with chronic pain, folks don't understand it. Because whenever you're hurt, it goes away. But when it doesn't hurt, it's kind of a lonely battle. And especially for me because it's difficult to explain fibromyalgia because only 1 in 10 people who have it are men. And most of the studies are done on women. So it's hard for me to find, even like on online chat groups and things, for me people to speak to about what I'm going through. And most folks don't understand it. So floating gives me the opportunity that where I don't have that perhaps external support group, it lets me internalize my issues and my feelings about how I feel. Because when you're someone who is constantly dealing with what I call staticky background noise, which is what my pain is, um, you need something. And whether and I think everyone deals with staticky background noise. It may not be pain. It may be the stress of being a single parent. It may be the stress of losing your job. It may be the stress of having a job. And everyone has that background noise. And no matter how great you are at managing it, there's certain points where everyone needs a helping hand. And I think that the floating gives you the opportunity to be, for lack of a better word, that helping hand when you need it. Because it gives you the moment to really self-internalize and self-reflect on what's going on. I use it as a place, I actually feel that floating is giving me an opportunity to be more spiritual. I find myself um, sometimes reciting prayers I did as a Catholic school brat. That's what I find myself doing in there because it gives me the opportunity where I feel like I'm actually closer to something. And everyone needs that. So that, so basically my answer is everybody should try it. <laughs> That's my long answer to now my short answer. Everybody should try it.
0: There was a woman here earlier today who said the same thing. She floated for the first time and she prayed. She said it was a difficult float because she had some things going on in her life. And I think after I spoke with her, she understood why it was difficult, but how that was really good for her because she had the time and the space to pray. And I told her, I believe in the power of prayer. There are people where my parents come from who are very religious over in Ireland. And I think when they were growing up, prayer was really powerful. I think prayer is as powerful as a person allows it to be. Lily, John Lily said the same thing, whatever we believe to be real, either Israel becomes real and so, if we're praying and we're praying for something to become real, then I think it increases the possibilities of it happening. I don't necessarily think it's magic; I think that it's it's something that we're willing into our reality, and we play a role in in willing that into reality. But she made the comment that it's really hard for people to find quiet and, and be alone with oneself in in today's world. There's this constant pull into stimulus and stimuli and and constantly socializing and so forth and that's wonderful but to be able to actually spend time in the darkness with oneself to be able to pray for the for oneself or for other people and so forth is really powerful and there was a guy who used to come here when we first opened and had some difficulties in, in his life later and he was going through a difficult time then but then his his life went in a different direction but we used to talk about this he told me that floating was his church that it's not a church and it's not a religion but what it is is an opportunity for a person to have that spiritual experience for a person to slow everything down and have that deeper connection with with oneself with with whatever that is and that i think is incredibly powerful and for sure, myself, I've been going through some challenges both here in terms of personally and here in the space with with some problems we've been having with neighbors and so forth. And so there's been a, a tremendous amount of pressure from that. And I float in order to slow down and gain perspective and tap into that deeper part of myself. And when I come out, almost every time I come out of floating, I have strength. I have strength in me flowing through me that before going in, I think I have forgotten about. And every time I go back in... I tap into that, and i really I really believe that that's really important, and floating is open to everybody. maybe not everybody is ready to to be that quiet and so forth, but I definitely agree with you for sure. So everybody should try floating. I definitely suggest they float for a few times as well mm-hmm. because that's that's really important, and that's why the study that we have. Is set up for 12 weeks because it really takes usually a few float sessions for people to get a sense of what floating can do for them. And I also wanted to say before we log off, is we have an informal research program here at iFloat, but we're also involved in an international study in fibromyalgia, which I've just just gotten into finally doing. So you're actually Steve isn't actually a part of it, but the international study involves float centers from around the world who have people filling out surveys online and that information is going to i think it's rod borey who's a who's a researcher on long island i think he's the spirit heading person of it but if anybody's here is listening to the podcast in other parts of the country in the world if you reach out to your to their float center they can probably participate in the study and people either get they can get free floats for the first few floats and then discounted floats. So for us, for our informal program, people get discounted floats. They get 50% off for the 12 weeks. And it's a really great opportunity and an access point for people to to discover the benefits of floating while also contributing to the collective evidence supporting the the benefits of floating. So, so thank you, Steve, for being part of that journey with us.
1: I'm glad to be a part of it, and... Uh, continue to be a part of it even after my my 12 weeks are up so i've already made a decision that going forward after my 12 weeks are up i will continue floating as it is my place where for you know an hour or a week i have my my space my time and uh if my quality of life continues to improve why wouldn't
0: i yeah exactly <laughs> if it works keep doing it people come in here sometimes and they say should i keep doing this or i don't know it works for me and I always tell people there are no rules to life, but if something works for you, keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, well then maybe stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and do something else and, and, and loosen up and, and so forth. So well cool. Well I'm glad that you'll continue to be an eye floater. You'll be a post research iFloater or something like that. But it'll be great to to have you continue to be here and and thank you for for being on today's podcast. I think a lot of people ex- are experiencing a lot of pain in the world and a lot of people have been listening to the podcast. And so hopefully I think that what you shared with people today is going to inspire people and, and help people who might be experiencing similar situations to you. So thanks for taking the time uh, out of your Saturday to to be here with us.
1: No, Thank you for the invite and I'm glad. And folks out there, trust me, It's an opportunity to not only see if you can reduce your pain, but improve yourself and your relationships.
0: Like you said, floating is about relationships. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and we'll see you at the next iFloat Radio podcast.